Today, we're talking to John Barrows, CEO and founder at JB Sales Training on the Champions Mindset. Mindset. It's one of those really important things in sales. I would say probably 80% of your success, especially when prospecting, has to do with your mindset. You know, with that comes how confident you are, right? How motivated you are. Um, your mindset around helping other people and not being so self-serving. Uh, being able to kind of approach things in a way where, hey, I can work smart and hard. I'm open to feedback. I know how to set goals. A lot of it is, is mindset. And if you're tuning in for, to the podcast for the first time, my name is Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting, and my goal with this show is to help sales teams and sales reps who love landing big meetings with prospects but hate it when people don't respond to their cold emails or they're not quite sure what to say in a cold call to get a prospect's attention. So if you relate with either one of those two things, you're definitely in the right place. And my goal here is to help you land more meetings with your ideal clients. And today we're talking about mindset. It's something, like I said, that doesn't really get talked about in sales outside of like, hey, you got to be positive or, hey, you got to work hard. It's it's really things that aren't super practical or very tactical, in my opinion. And there are a few people that I enjoy talking about mindset with uh, that doesn't start to get into like really hippy-dippy territory. And no offense to you if you're a hippie, I'm kind of a hippie myself, <laughs> but I like things that are very tactical and things that you can really think about and put into action the next time you go to make a call. Um, or on your next sales call. And one of the first people I thought of talking to about this topic was John Barrows. So I've been on his podcast a couple of times. We've gotten to know each other a little bit better over the last couple of months since he came on the Think Outside the Script uh, summer virtual tour. And you're about to listen to the audio excerpt of when he came on and really talked about what it means to have the mindset of a champion. And this doesn't just relate to you if you're into sports, which I am kind of into sports. I watch UFC. That's the only real sports that I'm into. So this champion's mindset doesn't apply just to people that are into baseball or basketball or football or whatever the other you know, sort of traditional sports are. Um, we're really going to talk about his 12 pillars of success. And I just love, love the conversation that we had. So I'm excited for you to take a listen. If you're um, listening to this soon enough, we have more talks coming up on the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour. So this week and next week are actually the last two weeks. So depending on when you're listening to this, you can either watch a few more of the talks coming up live, or you can check out the replays. We've done 40 talks with 42 speakers. It's been awesome. We've talked everything from sequencing to how to make better cold calls to how to send better cold emails and sort of everything in between, including motivation, mindset, and that sort of stuff. Make sure to check it out at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. And let's get to the interview with John. We don't really have a lot of people coming in and talking about mindset. And it's such a just such an important part of selling, and especially when it comes to prospecting. And one of the first people I thought of uh, to talk about this was John Barrows. And uh, John does a lot of really great sales training and consulting services for companies that you probably recognize, like Salesforce, LinkedIn, Google, Slack, and a bunch of others. And personally, I have just loved his content over the last two or three years since I've been following it. Everything from his podcast to the webinars that they're doing. I listened to him on a bunch of other podcasts, and he just came out with a book. Um, that he uh, just released that he wrote with his daughter. Actually, I want to be in sales when I grow up, yeah. uh, which is really good. But uh, one other quick disclaimer: if you don't like profanity, this is not going to be the talk for you. Okay. Yeah, huh? exactly. It's not going to be the talk <laughs> for you. Uh, but John, hey, it's great to have you on the tour, man. 
Awesome, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. I, I've, I've been real impressed with the, the content you've been putting out there with this whole thing too. So I I'm, I'm feel very fortunate to be here. No, I appreciate it, man. I, I thought it'd be kind of good because I know that you've been, you've been selling for a hot minute, right? You've been doing this for a little while. What, like, when did you actually start thinking of mindset? You know, because I feel like when you first start with sales, you're like just trying to get your like hands yep. on anything, right? Scripts, yep. what to say, what are the other people saying? You're reading books, you're doing all this other sort of stuff. When did you actually start thinking about the mindset component of sales? That's an interesting question. I, I, you know, I think I got some advice early in my career um, from a few mentors of mine that said, you know, never let sales specifically, never let the highs get too high and never let the lows get too low. Right. Cause this is such a high, low game, right? You crush your quota and it's, what have you done for me lately? You know what I mean? Like you murder it for one quarter and you're the top rep and then starting Q2, you're at the bottom with everybody else and you might lose that. And so I, I adopted that, but I think it was really after I read the book, um, um, oh, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. So Think and Grow Rich, right? With Napoleon, whatever. <clears throat> um, in there, I, and I, it was such a long time ago, but in there it, it talked about like writing down what your core values were, writing down making sure that you are centered and, and understand why you do what you do, right? And that's where I, I got, I sat down at a pretty young age too. I'd say probably about 25, 26, yeah. something like that. Um, and wrote down what was important to me and wrote down what my core values were. And therefore that helped me make better decisions moving forward, helped me stay motivated as I was going through this. Cause you like, you, you hear everybody, you have to understand the why, like, why are you doing what you're doing? And if mm -hmm. you don't know your why, ultimately you end up getting very frustrated along the way, right? Because you, you're just doing to your point, you're just doing things. You're not doing things with purpose. You're not doing things with a goal. You're not doing things with a plan. So you're just doing them. And that's where the highs and lows get so frustrating because like the lows get even more frustrating when you don't really understand why you're doing what you're doing or, or what, you know, or what's important to you. And so I think that was the shift for me. And then later on, fast forward, way fast forward. And this is kind of a takeaway for everybody here. And it's interesting because it, it, it's what I got recentered on coming back from this vacation. I told you this vacation was not a uh, relaxing vacation for me, right? It was, it was, yeah. I, we did extreme. So for those of you just chiming in, uh, I bought an RV. I've never been an RV person in my life, <laughs> but all of our vacations got canceled. So I screw it. So we're going to take our own destiny, right? We drove cross country and we went like, I don't know, 8,000 miles in less than two weeks. So it's a little oh, much, crazy. <clears throat> but it did give me perspective on, it was the first time in my entire career I have shut off my email for two straight weeks. Like oh, wow. I didn't check email. I didn't check the news for two straight weeks. And I was able to kind of with my family and really reset on what's important to me. And my daughter and I, a while ago, um, during the first elect, during the election last time, we were getting really hyped up about stuff and all passionate about things. And we could tell my wife and I, and we could tell my daughter was getting affected by that. Like she was like, she was, holding our anxiety and expressing. And so I was like, Whoa, holy shit. Hold on a second. Let's take a step back. And we came up with this acronym about what focus on what you can control. Okay. Cause you can't control what's on the news. You can't control what customers do. You, you can't control whether they ghost you or not. You can't control whether you get that deal or not. You can do your best, but you can't control it. Right. So we came up with this acronym, which is eat effort, attitude, and how you treat people. And that's what you can control. You control your effort, how hard you work every day. You can control your attitude and whether it's positive or negative, and you can control how you treat people. And with those things as core, 
and the values aligns, I'm able to try to stay positive as much as can, even as as fucked up as this world is right now. Yeah, shit is definitely crazy, man. <laughs> uh, this like focus on what you can control piece is really interesting. Do you think that that's connected to, especially like with the mindset piece, like self-esteem as a part of it in terms of sales and like how you think just about yourself and like your self-value and being able to separate I do things that you can't control and not putting your self-worth on those things and focusing on what you can control or? I think so. I think it's a level of maturity too. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I was always worried what people thought about me. You know, I, I was never too worried about it, but like earlier in my career, obviously I was worried about what people thought and, you know, what I wrote and what I said. And as I've evolved and gotten older, I've realized, you know, I, I can't control what those people think of me. Like I'm a good mm -hmm. person. I got good core values and I'm going to make mistakes every once in a while. And if people judge me, they judge me. So I think there's, there is a certain level of just age in general that helps you mature to a point where you can accept it. And also confidence to your point. I kind of break it down in, in your 20s, you don't know shit, right? So you're just doing whatever. And so that's fine. And, and, and that's where you should take the most risks in your life. That's why you should try as many things as you possibly can. Because usually in your 20s, there's not a lot of responsibility, right? You don't have kids, you don't have a house, you don't have a lot of that shit. So worst case scenario, you could go live on your parents' basement and whatever it is. You, you just said earlier, you're 31, right? Yep. And, and your wife is 30 and you guys are starting. So in your 30s, you start kind of like, okay, I'm here, but in your twenties, you're always kind of looking up to people saying, I don't, I know I don't know shit. So what, yeah. what's going on? And you're, you're kind of cautious with some things in your thirties. You kind of start there and say, I think I know what I'm talking about, but I'm still not sure. You're still holding on. I'm still cool. I'm still in my twenties. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I still have that party vibe. Right. And I think I know what I'm talking about, but once you hit your forties, it's weird because you start having conversations and shit that you think is basic people in their 20s will be like, oh man, that's genius. And you start sitting there realizing, wait a minute, maybe I know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know what I mean? I mean, that's really just, yeah. I know it's a very big generalization, but my confidence has, has risen. I've always been a pretty confident cat, but my confidence has definitely risen the more I talk about just being experienced in this space to people who aren't. You realize that 20 years of experience doing something matters, right? That's why, like, Challenger Sale, we get into sales techniques and all that other stuff. Like, Challenger Sale is a great book, but man, you better know what the fuck you're talking about to be a yeah, challenger. No you better have some business acumen to be a challenger. And you don't really settle into that, I don't think, until you get into your real space and figure out what you're great at. And once you figure out what you're great at and you tie it to what you love to do, it's a beautiful thing. Interesting, man. Um, I feel like this is kind of getting connected to one of your 12 principles that don't think you're better than anyone else, but know that no one is better than you. Mm -hmm. I want to spend some time on this confidence piece because I, I'm sure you see this in the work that you do, but you ever listen to someone make a cold call and you're like, dude, you're saying all the right things, but they're just not that yep. like you just don't, it doesn't sound like you believe yep. in what you're saying. And for someone, cause we're starting to get some questions around confidence for someone that maybe doesn't feel confident right now, and you're, you're like you said, hey, I've been confident for a while. Like, what could someone do that's like in their 20s? Because you train a lot of these folks mm -hmm. that are in their 20s Absolutely. getting started to like really look at how can I become more confident so that this comes out when I talk to people and actually like I believe in what I'm saying, you know? I, 
I think it has to do with first and foremost in sales, and and this is going to be a hard pill to swallow for some, uh, but you have to you have to genuinely believe that what you're selling makes a difference. You have to believe in what you sell. If you don't believe, if anybody listening right now, if you do not believe in what you're selling, if you don't think that your product makes a difference for the right person, I'm going to beg you right now. I know it's a tough economy. Go find something else to do. Go find yeah. something else to sell because you're just a sleazy sales rep if you're out there slocking shit because you're trying to make a commission check. But if you genuinely believe in what you sell, then, then it's about transferring that enthusiasm. And that's where the confidence comes in. You don't know everything. Like I'll give you a quick example. Um, I, so my first job was, was DeWalt power tools, driving around, giving away construction tools to people. Right. Uh, which is pretty badass. Then yeah, I sold sounds like Xerox. a fun job. <laughs> oh, it was a blast. It was a blast. Um, and then I sold Xerox copiers. Well, it's not a blast. Um, and, and then, um, Chris actually, who's on here, he actually started a company called Thrive Networks. I joined as one of the, you know, fourth, you know, I think fourth or fifth person on board. And then we sold to Staples, right? So Staples came and bought us. Fast forward, I get fired from Staples. Fired. Like they just straight up said, you suck, right? Really hard pill for me to f- swallow because I've never been fired in my entire life. You know what I mean? Like, and by the way, I was one of the original people in this business. Like I was one of the original founders, not founder, but right there. And so you cut my arm, I bled blue. How in the fucking world would you fire me when I was the guy who brought this company to where it was, right? And so I, I had a crisis of conscience because I Thrive Networks. What we did was we sold outsourced IT services to the SMB market. And what happened was I had to now figure out what to do. Like, where am I? How am I? An, and I sat there. I'm like, am I an IT sales guy? Is that what I, is that what I am? I've been selling IT services for a second. Like, I don't even like IT shit. Like, I really could give a shit what computers do. I just want them to produce. So my wife is the one who actually helped me with this. And he said, said, you know what? let's take a look back at your, your history and say, why were, you the, why were you one of the top reps at all the different companies that you work for? Like DeWalt, right? Why are you the top rep at DeWalt? Well, because I love DeWalt power tools. They were pretty badass, right? Uh, so it wasn't hard for me to transfer my enthusiasm over, even though I didn't really know much about power tools. Uh, Xerox, why, did I, why was I one of the best reps in the region at Xerox? Well, it's not because I cared about copiers. It's because I, I thought Xerox was one of the top, yeah, I believed that Xerox was one of the top in the industry, right? Thrive Networks, I didn't care about computers, but I genuinely believed that my team would execute at the level that I did. So when that light bulb went off, it was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what I sell. It matters that I believe in what I sell. And so I think there's a, there's a value. Let's go back to that original conversation that we had about values. If you, align, if you understand what your core values are, and then you go look for companies that align with those core values and a product that you can believe in, your confidence will be there right? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to say dumb shit. But if you believe it, somebody said early in my career that sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. I love that. Right. Yeah. If I, cause it, cause if you fit that mold, right. If you, if you come close to that type of prospect that, that is in that kind of ICP of mine, then my job is to just transfer a little bit of my enthusiasm over to you. Right. And I think that's where the confidence in yourself and the confidence in your sales approach and starts to build and build and build. But you got to have that as a base. If you don't, I think it's going to be damn near impossible to build confidence because then it's then it's ego that 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 guideline that you brought up, which is no, you're no better than anybody else, but nobody's better than you. That's confidence. Ego is I can sell anything. I'm better than everybody else here. And it doesn't matter what I sell. That's ego, in my opinion. Confidence is. I know what I don't know, but I'm going to work at it. And I believe in what I do. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, 
Okay. I got a question for you if you're willing to go there, man. <laughs> so yeah. like in our space, when COVID happened, I don't know about you. I was like, holy shit. You know, like everything in the pipeline froze up for like three or four weeks. And I started asking myself, like, dude, are people even going to pay for sales training still? Like, are they going to need help yep. prospecting? Because everyone's talking about why you shouldn't be making cold calls and sending cold emails right now. And it kind of shook my confidence, mm-hmm. uh, like really hard for a couple of days. I was like, what the fuck are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and that really spurred a lot of the more online stuff that we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go through that? If you don't mind digging into it Absolutely. and like, what we were, do. how did you, how did you snap out of Cause you guys are like, seems like charging ahead full steam now, but what was that like? We had a blip. Absolutely. I mean, 70% of our revenues were face-to-face 70%. We were going for 4 million this year. I was like 4 million. We're going to crush it. 4 million went to 2.5 overnight and 70% of my revenues went. See you later. Now that said, we have been preparing for this. I, I try to not just focus on the moment, but focus on kind of the longer, bigger picture, right? And say, okay, what are the trends? What are we looking at here? And how can I position us as an organization to make sure that we're adaptable enough? And agility and adaptability to me are two of the strongest traits that mm-hmm. you can have as an individual, right? To be able to fail fast and move on or adjust and without, without worrying about it. I think one of the biggest blessings that I've had in my life as far as what I've been blessed with um, is is I have a very kind of opportunistic lens on things and I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about stuff. I usually look at two or three data points and say, okay, that's good enough. Yes, let's mm-hmm. do it. That makes it my gut usually is pretty good on that. I've made some mistakes in the past, but that ability to adjust um kind of backtrack we looked at it and said online is we have to have some sort of blended learning environment right so thankfully back in December we had gone back into studio we cut all our online stuff and we were always selling remote stuff, but nobody wanted it. Like everybody, like if you, if you, from a training standpoint, if you're, if one trainer is offering you a remote thing like this, or I'll show up on site and I'll engage, everybody was used to that. So even though I try to push this sometimes, people are like, nah, 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 we want on site. We just think there's something better about it. Shift to this, it forced everybody to reset their expectations. I actually think now remote and online learning is can be more effective than the one day on site stuff. So yeah. yes, there was a little bit of a panic there. Yes, no question about it. We had to reset all of our expectations and in our in our strategy and everything else. But it wasn't a oh my god, what the fuck are we gonna do? Problem. Like yeah. I have some, and you probably know them. I have some colleagues in this space of sales training, man. That one hundred percent of their revenue was driven by on site. Cause they just mm-hmm. didn't believe in online. You know what I mean? They were like, Nope, yeah. this is the way it's supposed to be done. This is the best way to learn, blah, blah, blah. Those people are in deep shit right now. Yeah. And so I think it, there, there's a bifocal lens that you have to execute. I mean, Gary V talks about what clouds and dirt and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think you have to have that, but I think that, Oh, factor. If you know your why, if you understand what your core values are and you're adaptable, um, I think you can pretty much deal with anything that has that 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 this world can throw at you. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, man. I because I think that's so big as a rep, even because reps, as a rep, unfortunately, you're kind of in this position where uh, things are being dictated for you, right? So the the path the company decides to take <laughs> after all the stuff that went down three or four months ago is really not up to you. And I love the agility, being adaptable, knowing your core values, bringing it back to your why, like. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more, which is, and I wrote this blog post um, and it was a while ago, which is stop doing what you're supposed to do. 
A lot of us do what we're supposed to do because that's what society or that's what business tells us, okay? And I had two examples in my life where I got woken up by this. One is personal and the other is professional. Personal one is when I was around your age, a little bit younger. I had been, you know, I'd been with this girl. I met her in college in seven years, right? So I was was probably 25. Um, And I'd moved her to Boston from Maryland where I went to school. And I knew the relationship wasn't right. Something didn't fit, okay? But I was with her for seven years. Yeah. So what do you do when you're with somebody for seven years? Well, you're supposed to get married, right? And then you're supposed to buy a house and then you're supposed to have a kid, right? Like you're supposed to have two kids, as a matter of fact. Thankfully, I was actually going to go through with that. I was actually going to marry this woman. And even though I knew it was wrong, right? Thankfully, she broke up with me. Like right towards the end, she split it off with me. And I was devastated. I was like, oh my God, like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like literally a day later, I woke up and it's like this weight came way off of my shoulders. And I was like, holy yeah. shit. Now I'm with my wife and I couldn't be happier, right? Workwise, Staples fired me. I knew after they acquired my business, uh, our business, I knew after three months, I was not the right fit, but I kept fighting and fighting and fighting because that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to get into a company. You're supposed to get a job. You're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to get a promotion. You know what I mean? And and do that thing. They fired me, even though I knew it was wrong for me to be there. They fired me again, devastated for like two or three days, woke up, holy shit, best thing that could ever happen to me. So I think we need to wake up a little. I think this whole COVID thing is a good opportunity for all of us to wake up and, and realize like, am I just doing shit just to do it? Or am I doing yeah. it because I want to do it? Am I doing it with purpose? Am I doing it because it, ha- it, it, it aligns with my values? Like, those are the things I think we got to be asking ourselves right now, which is, I think, a silver lining to this whole mess that we're in right now. You know, what's interesting is like, that's such a great metaphor for how people go about how they prospect too. You know, there's mm-hmm. this, I was listening to this podcast, the psychologist was talking about tight and loose domains. And essentially the concept there was that there's like certain unwritten rules that like, hey, if I came over to your house, John, there's an expectation of how I should act as a guest, right? And there's some sort of expectation as a host. There's no rule book. There's no laws for that. And I think people go about sales in the same way too, where, hey, I've just always opened up a cold call and said, hey, John, this is Jason with uh, Blissful Prospecting. And how are you doing today? Yeah, I've just always done that. That's what our company trained. And do you think like with the work that you've done, because you observe, I think that's the coolest part about what you've done is you get to observe literally thousands of reps across some of the most successful companies in the world. Mm-hmm. How do you see them going against the grain of like what they're supposed to do when yeah. it comes to like their mindset and like all that other stuff? Yeah. It's about, it's about the best ones are constantly trying different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't get stuck in that one or if they get stuck in that one thing, they, they, they know why they're doing that one thing because it does produce the results. They actually are analyzing it. So I'll give you, I mean, you bring it up, right? With cold calling my intro always for 15 years. Hey, this is John Barrows with Thrive Networks. How are you doing today? Like that sales was wise too. <laughs> right? Exactly, right? And I would, or touching base and checking in and, and that yeah. type of shit because that's what I was supposed to do. And I didn't have any replacements for it. When I took this training, when the first time I took it was, um, you know, it got me to, to really think about testing and trying different things. And this goes to agility, right? I mean, you talk about lean startups. You talk about... Um, you know, MVP, minimum viable, just get something out there and get the feedback and then test it and then switch and adjust and that type of stuff. So you've heard me say this probably a million times, you you know, the number one thing I would have, I would advise myself if I could go back and tell my 22 year old self something, what would it be? It'd be AB split test everything you do. 
And I mean that literally everything if you do. Because people say to me, John, I got an approach. It works. Like, what do you think about this approach? I'd be like, I don't know. Sounds pretty good. Does it work? Well, yeah, it works. How do you know it works? I don't know. Because I do it. Okay. Well, what's the conversion ratio on it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just my thing, man. Okay. Do me a favor. Make a hundred phone calls using whatever that thing is that you did and come back to me and tell me if you're getting more than a 10% conversion ratio on it, then shut my mouth. Keep doing it. Right. Good for you. But if you're not, why don't you try a different approach? Go read a blog, go watch a video, go whatever it is from a, you know, influencer or whatever, and just try that thing that might be a little uncomfortable because you've never done it before. Here's one gong. The way we train intros goes like this. Hey, Jason, thanks for taking me. So instead of, hi, Jason, this is John Barrows of JB Sales Training. How are you doing today, right? Instead of that crap, we go, hey, Jason, thanks for taking my call. Do you got a couple of minutes? And it's a pattern interrupt, right? So usually yep. what it gets is, well, not really, but who is this? What do you want? I said, well, well, hey, thanks. This is John with JB Sales. And the reason I'm calling is because, and I get right into it, right? So I've done mm -hmm. that. I've trained it. It works for me. So it works. <laughs> I keep testing it. Gong comes out. And you know me, I hate, hey, how you doing today? I think it's a terrible intro. Yeah. How because first of all, especially in, this, especially in this world we're in right now, you don't know how well somebody's doing. So for you to call me up and say, hey, how you doing today yeah. is dangerous. Second of all, I know you don't give a shit. You don't know me, right? So, so I hate that approach. But I read a Gone blog that said the best intro is, hi, you actually start with your name and, and company first, but then you do this. You go, hi, this is John Barrows with JB Sales. How have you been? So not, Hey, how you doing today? So it's a slight alteration of how have you been? And I read that. I'm like, really? Like that yeah. fucking works. But, I, but I'm looking at data saying it's no longer about my opinion these days. There's plenty of data out there between sales loft and chorus and gong and, you know, all these different tools out there that we can extract some insights to say, huh? So what did I start doing? I started split testing. I did mine. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Do you have a few moments? And then I did, hi, Jason, this is John Barrows with JB sales. How have you been? And this, as awkward as that was, because it wasn't mine, you know what I mean? I did, and, and especially the first few times, I was like, oh my God, this, I feel like I'm back from 22 years old, make my first cold call again. Yeah. But I could tell that there was something to it because it would make somebody's brain break because it's like really formal. It's kind of like a mullet, you know, you're, you know, business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> Hi, Jason, this is John Barrows with JD Sales, party, you know, business in the front. How have you been? Party in the back, right? So... And, and, and so I started testing it and I was like, all right, I started building my confidence with a new technique, a new approach because I was open to trying new things. And if you're not open, if you think in sales, you've ever reached it, you're done. Yeah. It sales is like golf. You can't shoot a zero. You can get better every day. And that's what the mindset's all about. I love this, man. The, how have you been? I quick comment on that. Uh, I saw that and I was like, there's no way. Stupid, you know? right? And it felt so stupid because- you know, when I call on people, it's usually like a VP of sales yeah. and it's smaller companies, the ones you're prospecting to, but still it's like a fucking busy person. And last thing I want to do is say something that's going to completely piss them off, you know, yeah. especially coming from a sales guy that's supposed to be training that stuff. And, and it works. It's really surprising. But the theme that I am getting from you is this, and you talk about AB testing a lot, but it sounds like this champion's mindset, and I know you're into sports too. So like the sports analogy is, is interesting because I play basketball and I couldn't imagine what it would be like playing basketball all four years of high school and never testing out new techniques with my right. shot or with my dribble or with a crossover or an in and out or whatever. Like that's part of staying motivated is just having stuff that you're excited to try out so that you kind of freshen it up. It's a pattern interrupt 
like on yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was, I was actually researching pattern interrupts because I was curious about the psychology. And they actually came from like therapists helping people overcome addiction. And things like it was like interrupting your own pattern. And if you think mm-hmm. of motivation, it's kind of interesting to think of it like that, to like interrupt your own pattern of, hey, I sit at my desk, I open up my list, I say the same goddamn thing to a hundred people. Well, hey, what if you did it standing and you listened to your favorite song for three minutes before you did it? And you did it in a different room in your house. You know, like yep. little things like that um, oftentimes help. Well, and also, and this is for everybody here, because look, staying motivated in this environment is fucking brutal, yeah. <laughs> man. I mean, for you SDRs out there, I God love you, right? Because I wrote a post a while ago called the, the I think the hardest job in sales is SDRs, right? Is generating meetings. And it what what made it tolerable <laughs> was, you know, you getting your ass kicked 99 out of 100 times, you keep wailing away, you're firing off all these emails. What made it tolerable was that we used to work in offices in a bullpen with a bunch of other SDRs that were getting our asses kicked. So when we got hung up on, or when we had a bad day, we could turn to our boy and be like, yo, Jason, did you hear that nightmare that just happened, man? That was fucking disastrous, man. You want to grab a beer and talk about this shit show that I had today? And that made it literally like, oh, okay. But now all of us are sitting at home by ourselves with a manager chiming in on zoom every fucking, you know, two hours or so. So how are you doing? Right. And it's really hard to stay motivated. So how do we stay motivated? Here's something. I'm going to go back to split testing and testing and trying different things. And it's going to align with getting better at what you do. It's going to align with my philosophy of 1% every day. And it's going to align with staying motivated, which is split test. Because check this out. If you can learn something every day, you've had a good day, mm-hmm. right? That, I, I live my life by the rule of 1%, which is set, set the bar at a high but attainable level. Once you get there, don't set the bar up here again and go for another mountain climb. Just try to do 1% better every day, okay? Yeah. And if I can look at myself and say, I'm better today than I was yesterday, then no matter what my results were of that day, I feel good. I can stay motivated. And you look for the little wins, right? So for instance, say you're making 50 dials, right? Say you make 50 dials in a day and you get no meetings. It's a terrible day, right? Very demotivating day. Agreed. But if you make 50 dials and you do 25 dials with this approach and 25 dials with that approach and you still get no meetings, to me, that's actually not a bad day because you just figured out two approaches that don't work. Tomorrow, you come and try a couple new ones. That's what, like, if you can focus on getting better and trying and testing different things, even if your results aren't where they need to be, if you learn and get better, I think we had said it earlier, like, it's just as good to figure out stuff that doesn't work as it is to figure out stuff that does. Because if you figure out what doesn't work, eventually you're going to figure out what does. And you're going to be learning and getting better every single day. And that's how I stay motivated. I try to get 1% better every single day with a very purposeful approach to trying different things. Yeah. And that's, you know, comes back to kind of what you talked about before with the things that you can control and yeah. working on those things. Is, is, do you have any advice on how to separate? Like I am working on these things, like as a rep, I know what I'm focused on, but you mentioned the zoom or Slack or my manager's calling me and like, I got to set meetings too. Right. And there's so much focus on activity targets and like all that other stuff that we could talk about for hours, but any, anything that you find helpful when it's like separating the, yeah, I need to be in the moment here. I got this next hour to worry about and kind of pushing out all of like the outside pressure, a lot of it being negative in most cases for people. 
Yeah, I think it's situational based because you mentioned a few things like your manager, you know, these Mm. type of things. I think one is key is making sure that you and your manager are aligned with expectations and priorities and all that stuff. So you know what's expected of you. And then you have something to, to go back to if you're getting pushed in different areas. You know what I mean? Like, quick example, if I've sat down with my boss and I understand what my targets are, what my goals are, what my priorities and how my priorities align with their priorities, and I go ahead and execute on that. And then my boss comes in with something different that doesn't align with those. I have ammo now to go back to my boss and say, hey, boss, I appreciate what you just asked me to do there. But earlier, you had told me that our our priorities were this and this is what my mantra was. And this seems to conflict with that. Help me understand, right? So that gives you a little bit of like, and I know this is a small tip, but I would document everything. Document all. I think life is about expectation setting, by the way. I really do. If you pick any, think of the last time you got pissed off about anything anything. Okay. I almost guarantee it's because your expectations were misset. Yep. Almost guaranteed. Uh, I'll give you an example. Driving across country. We drove the entire way across country. Didn't hit any traffic. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, because we drove through some like Nebraska and shit like that on roads. It just went forever. And a lot of times weekend and that type of thing. So we had no traffic. So we're coming home on Sunday, right? And all it's the final stretch. And we are 20 miles out from Boston, like hometown. We're ready to go to sleep in our own bed and all that other stuff. And boom, we slam into traffic, dead stop traffic. All of us were furious because we weren't expecting it. Now you wake up in the morning and you drive into the office at 730 in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, you expect traffic. You know what I mean? So I think first of all, expectation setting is key. Documentation of those expectations, sharing them with other people is key as well. And I mean this with prospects, customers, and internal employees. Like the, the easiest way to, to make sure that you hold somebody accountable, and this, by the way, you can Google this, everybody. Uh, Jay Barrow's favorite nugget, this one will come up, which is my summary email. And I do this internally and externally. So Jason, say you and I are, say, I'm pros- say, say you're a prospect of mine and I'm, I'm me, right? After you and I have a nice little discovery call, What I'm going to say is, hey, Jason, um, thanks for your time, man. There's some next steps and action items here. Before I go ahead and do all that, though, what I'm going to do is I'm going to briefly summarize what I was able to gain from our conversation today. I'm going to send it over to you in a quick email. Could you do me a favor and email me back to let me know if it's all accurate and if I missed anything, right? Get you to say yes. And then right afterwards, I'm not going to write a book here. I'm just going to keep bullet points. Current situations, this, priorities, this, timelines, this, that type of thing. Send it over to you. You get a response. By the way, I only get about a 25% response rate on that one. But the 25% that I get, I get about a 90% close ratio with because it shows me you're engaged. The others, I get about a 30, 35% close ratio, which isn't bad. But that right there helps me hold you accountable because now when you flake on me, I can say, hey, Jason, look, I appreciate, you know, like, why'd you ghost me, right? You said earlier that these were your priorities. This was your timeline. What's happened, man? Right? Same thing with bosses and internal. It's like, hey, boss, you told me that these were my priorities and now you're asking me to do something different. Now, the other piece of this, and to your point of compartmentalizing, is understanding what you're being asked to do, right, activity-wise, what the results are that you're being expected to drive, and then the third part of what else could I be doing? You do what you're supposed to do. In a lot of cases, you have to. Your boss tells you you have to make $50, you make $50. But this is where the side hustle comes in, Jason. A lot of people have their own side hustle of a totally other job. I suggest having a side hustle for your own job. Yeah. If what you are doing and what you are being asked to do doesn't work and doesn't make sense, but you're still being beaten over the head to make those 50 dials or whatever it is, do that. Make sure you do it. But track every fucking one of those pieces of results. And then for a couple hours a day or something like that, 
go deep on research, be super personalized, get really creative, and then come to your boss and say, hey, boss, you asked me to do it this way. My conversion ratios were 0.2%. I actually on my own did it this way and my conversion ratios were 13%. Which one do you want me to do? Right? Helps you stay motivated, helps you manage up. Helps you, you know, so that's, that's where documentation, expectation setting, split testing, trying different things, it's all going to kind of bundle together to keep you, keep you motivated and get you that much better than everybody else. Yeah. I mean, it's such a critical piece of being motivated too, because like essentially what I heard there is that you are also in control of your own destiny, even if it feels like you're not, even if you're given, I mean, so many companies, man, it's, you've seen this, they, they're given scripts and they're given templates and they're forcing people to use them with very, very little autonomy and they don't work. And then they get, you know, the rep gets blamed. Um, But I love this concept of the side hustle. And it's like, Hey, I do actually have some autonomy here. Like, dude, if I just put an hour outside of like what I'm doing during the day, that's a lot of time for you to like actually try some of this other stuff. And Mm -hmm. there's almost this game that you can play too. I just make stuff fun. I don't know. I think we take sales so serious and it's like, dude. Way too serious. We sell yeah, shit. We're not brain with surgeons it. here, ladies and gentlemen. If, yeah. you can't, if you can't have some fun with this, get the fuck out. It's too <laughs> brutal of a profession to not enjoy it and have fun. That's why, like, again, believe in what you do and don't take it too seriously because if you do, yeah. you're, I mean, somebody asked, hey, when you lost your hair. Yeah, I lost my hair when I got into sales for fuck's sake because I was so stressed <laughs> out about everything that was going on. But, um, but, yep. see, but you know, it did build my confidence though. I will say that. Um, but, but it's, it really is like, if you're not playing the game and, and enjoying the game, man, go, it life's too short, man. It is. Uh, we got a question from Lauren Casey. That I think is really good. Sure. Uh, how do you overcome the fear of the C-suite? I am new to sales less than a year and I'm selling to VP plus for some reason I have confidence issues when cold prospecting into the C-suite and even worse cold calling. And having them answer any tips on how to improve your mindset in these yeah, instances. Yeah. You got a tough job, Lauren. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I look, I don't care who you are when that like, forget about C-suite. Like just when somebody picks up the phone, you shit your pants these days, right? Yeah. Like, take 50 dials and all of a sudden somebody picks up and you're like, well, fuck ah, somebody's on the phone. Oh, shit. Right. So I think confidence yeah. is, is hard. Um, but the, the, the way that, you know, as a 22 year old, this is why I'm going to go back to cha- uh, challenger sale. You know, I got myself in a little bit of trouble a few years back when Challenger was super, was super popular, right? And yeah. I said they were, um, you know, and I, because I got up on stage, I think it was a sales hacker event. And I said, hey, could y'all do me a favor? Stop teaching 22-year-old kids how to be a challenger, please. Like, it's like Gary Vee says, you can't be a 22-year-old life coach. Yeah. I mean, you haven't lived yet, right? Maybe do a 10-year-old kid, sure, fine. But you can't be, same thing with a challenger. Like, the, the fundamental idea of challenger is, look, uh, you make this decision once a year. I help people make it every day. Let me tell you whether they make right and wrong decisions. That's the mentality around challenger sale. But you can't do that when you're 22 years old because you don't know what the f- you're talking about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you build confidence? Genuine curiosity is how you build confidence, right? You don't know what these people do, but instead of reading a script about your pitch, about what you do, here's Morgan and I work on this. Too many companies are, 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 Give their, it's a, they do a disservice to their, to their employees and their reps by giving them the ICP, by giving them the persona sheet. Like Sally, mm-hmm. she's a CIO and she cares about innovation. And with that, what happens is we memorize, like, because we're coming out of school in that mindset of memorizing this to, you know, pass a test. 
Um, so we memorize whatever the script is and we regurgitate it. And then when we fumble, like when we trip on our words, we lose it, right? Cause there's no, there's no context around it. There's no meaning behind it. It's just me regurgitating what we do as our script instead. Uh, and I'm sorry, who was it? Lindsay? Uh, Lauren. Yeah. Lauren sorry, Casey. Lauren. Yep. So Lauren, um, pick the persona. Okay. That you're going after ideally a persona in an industry. Go literally Google, like let's like in MySpace, CROs and SaaS, right? Go online and say CROs, SaaS industry, priorities, challenges, 2020. Read a few articles, right? Go follow some of the thought leaders in that space and, and see what they're talking about, right? And, and, and that type of stuff. And so that you have some insights there. Look, you're never going to know as much as a, as a CTO, okay? Like when you're calling into a CTO, I don't know if a CTO does, but I know enough to ask thoughtful questions because I'm curious about what they do, right? Yep. And I think that way, instead of challenging, I'm smarter than you, the way you can challenge people at a younger age is by asking really thoughtful, insightful questions that show you give a shit, that genuinely show you give a shit. So now, to a cold call standpoint, you've got to have a value proposition that gets them to say, all right, let's mm -hmm. have this conversation. But then after that, asking those questions. This is why, here's a tip for everybody. Uh, I use a product called Feedly, right? If you're not using it, it's F-E-E-D-L-Y. It's free. It's an RSS aggregator. And what I do is all the, all the um, roles that I go after, CROs, VPs of sales, VPs of enablement, I go find the thought leaders. I literally type in CROs, SaaS, thought leaders, 2020. There's a list of top 25. Go find their blogs, put them into Feedly, right? And I have a folder called CROs. Then in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee and I'm getting into my daily routine, I scan through those data feeds and I look to see if there's any interesting articles and I read an article or two. You know what I mean? Then with that mindset, I start calling CROs, understanding a little bit about what their priorities are and having some context around some interesting questions that I might be able to ask them. And then I'm confident. Right? Because now I can start to build because look, if you don't, don't the fake it till you make it stuff, uh, you'll get called out pretty quick on that. But I think the genuine curiosity factor is something that, that we all need to work a little bit better on to, to be able to dig into that and have confidence that you don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. don't know what you're doing at 21 years old. So stop pretending that you do. But don't be ignorant enough to say, tell me about your, excuse me, tell me about your priorities. Like that's a dipshit thing to say. Tell me about your priorities or what keeps you up at night or, you know, any of that dumb shit. But if you walk in and say, Hey, you know what? We've been dealing with a lot of CROs and SAS and they're telling us that in 2020, that some of the top priorities based on what happened in COVID or X, Y, and Z are those yours. Even if they're not, the fact that you show, you know, their world a little bit tends to open up the conversation a little bit more. And you'd be amazed at how a little bit of research, a little bit of homework, a little bit of thought goes a long way with executives, right? I love that too, because it's, it has a, I mean, it kind of plays into fixed versus growth mindset too, uh, mm -hmm. by Carol Dweck, yep. where it's like, if you have a fixed mindset, you come in needing approval from people that, mm -hmm. oh, this person, I want this executive to uh, think that Jason knows what he is doing versus growth mindset. Like, I love the curiosity aspect because it's like, how can I just ask intelligent, smart questions, get the person thinking? And that's really like, in my opinion, pulling off challengers about asking really pointed questions that like, oh, I never thought of that. Or you could track that. Or oh, I didn't know that would be affecting me, you know, kind of a thing. Um, great question, Lauren. I got another one actually for you, John. I think this is yeah. really unique and interesting. Uh, so Andrew White asked this question. And essentially what's going on, because it's a long question, is he's on a team right now where only 10% of them are hitting quota. 
and the other 80% are maybe hitting 25% and they, and they kind of have a, I don't really want to share uh, and collaborate for fear that it's kind of like, I need to hold on to what is mine. And it's like slim pickings right now. Like, what do you suggest someone working in that type of environment, which I think is actually a lot of companies right now. Uh, I would venture to guess that there's a lot of like cover your own ass. You know what I mean? I got to get mine type of thing. I know layoffs are coming. So I, you know what I mean? Like it is me. Um, That's a tough one, man. I I would find those subset of people who are in the same situation that you're in, right? Those, those 10%. I mean, hopefully they're those A players that are willing to share and be being open to working with you, but they probably not. Um, There's got to be a group within, I don't know how many people that person's working with, but there's got to be a group of three, four, five other kids that are feeling the same way and are trying to figure out this thing. And by you all getting together and doing like almost a subgroup of that and working on and testing different things, because look, I talk about split testing a lot. As an individual, it's really hard to get to a number that's statistically relevant to to be able to say that worked or what that didn't. But if you have three, four, five people doing something, you get to a number faster. Right. Yeah. So, so I might try to grab three or four people that are in the same spot, maybe in that bottom 80% that's hitting that 25% quota and say, Hey, look, this obviously isn't working. We don't know the answers right now, but collectively we should be able to figure this out. And if we're not going to get the support from the team, from the top reps or from the management, we're going to make this happen ourselves. So I think that's one of those areas where, you know, you just have to find the people that have that, that have that question that you're asking and and collaborate together because when people say I think uh, and are working on um, if you don't share your secret sauce you're not good in the culture I I couldn't agree with more with um, what Chris said right there um, this is sales is yes it's an individual sport but it, to me it's more way more the the teams win the period. Yep. Right, that's solo, that lone wolf, whatever it is, good for them. Let them go. They're probably the asshole, anyways, that you don't want to hang out with. And by the way, the 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 ability, your ability to replicate what that rep does is probably not high. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. the way they do what they do or how they say what they say is probably going to be so vastly different than what your approach is. And yeah, you might be able to pull some nuggets, but they're not going to spend time with you to help develop you, right? So you got to go find that on your own. Yeah, I love that. It's like people have LinkedIn pods right now, which are, I have differing opinions on that. But uh, it's quite, create your own internal pod. Yeah. You know, like a sales pod internally. That's, that's really good yeah. advice. I, there's something I want to come back to that you mentioned. And you said it's not about my opinion. And that's like really hard for a sales trainer to say, right? Yeah. Um, it's, I thought that people would hire me because of all these unique things, but it's really like two thirds of the content. I give credit to the people. It's just like, Hey, here's what someone I interviewed at this company says and does. And it works really well. You know, um, for someone that is maybe like, has that ego come up where I want to do it my own way. Did you ever, did, was there a transition there for you where you at some point had to say, you know what, I'm not as open-minded as I probably should be with just listening to have better ways of doing things. Was there ever a transition, uh, transition, excuse me, like that for you? I don't think so. No, because I always knew I wasn't the smartest kid in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm a state school kid that dragged my way through four years of college. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I always, like I, I sit in rooms and I'm like, fuck that kid's way smarter than I am. You know what I mean? So yeah. I've never, never felt like I've ever been better. That's the whole, uh, you know, don't think you're better than anybody else, but nobody's yeah. better than you type of thing. Um, 
Yeah. So for me, it's always, I, I've never had, I mean, I've, I've obviously probably had an ego on a lot on some stuff, but not about my intelligence. I'll tell you that I had to work my ass off in college just to mm-hmm. get, you know, I graduated like a you know, three, seven or something like that, but I worked my ass off where there was other kids that would just party all week. And then the night before the test, read the book and have a photographic memory and all of a sudden get aces. Right. So I, I think for me, it was, it was never a hard thing for me to be open uh, to realizing that I didn't know what I don't know, but I think it goes back to that. Well, what, you know, what's that, uh, quad, right? Which is you start, uh, you start anything, you're unconsciously incompetent, right? You don't know what you don't know. Then you move to your consciously incompetent where you know what you don't know. Then you're consciously competent. You know what you know, and then you're consciously or you're unconsciously competent. And that's where you reach the level of you just do what you do. Right. I think the best place to be is when you're consciously competent, actually. I actually don't think it's, I, don't, I think it's good when you're unconsciously competent, but the problem with that is you can't replicate that. You can't, yeah. you can't produce, you know what I mean? You can't like consciously competent. I can teach people how to do that. I, yeah. you know, I don't know if you saw the webinar that I did with Jeff Hoffman, but Jeff Hoffman, he's my mentor. He's the artist yeah. He in sales. I think there's 5% of our population that just have it. They, they just, yeah. they, they naturally, and, I, and when I say natural born sales rep, I mean natural born for all the right reasons, mm-hmm. right? Not the sleazy one, but genuinely just yeah. know how to connect with people, know what questions to ask, where to take the conversations, where to spend their time. I think that's 5% of our population. The other 95%, I mean, I'm not in that 5%. I, I'm, you know, I'm in the maybe top 25, but I got to work my ass off in sales. You know what I mean? And that's where that's what keeps me motivated is that I know I'm not the smartest kid in the room. And that's also why I think of, you know, the genuine curiosity thing. I think you have to be born with it. And thankfully I am, but I think you can also put some structure around it to have people start to move in that direction of actually giving a shit and being genuinely curious. I love that. Is there related to competition? Is there something that you see with reps, especially are they outwardly competitive with other reps? Is it more of an inward thing? Is it a mix of the best two? What do inward. you see? Best ones are inward all, way do- all day long. Best, yeah. the, the, without question, the best reps I've ever come across uh, could give a shit what everybody else is doing. They're more competitive with themselves. They get disappointed when they don't do something. You know what I mean? When they mess yeah. up. But as far as trying to beat you know, so-and-so, it's the same thing with competition as far as pr- selling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't consider you competition, Jason. It's not because you don't do what I do and I don't think you're good at what you do. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> like, like I, honestly, like yeah. you and I were going after, after an account and I lost. Okay. It's because either I didn't sell well enough or my solution wasn't the right fit. It wasn't because you were better than I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just forces me to get better. I remember early in my career, I was so fixated on competition. I was trying to beat the competition all the time. I knew them by name. I knew what their sales process was and all that other stuff. But what happened was I started focusing more on, on selling against my competition than I sold to my customer. Oh, yeah. So I started losing view of why I was selling to this client because I was just trying to beat them. And that's what happens when you get in that hyper competitive with other people mode. You're trying to beat them and you lose focus on what your goals are. Who gives a shit what other people are doing? Be the best at what you are. You know what I mean? And compete against yourself about getting better every day. It reminds me of John Wooden's approach actually with the uh, UCLA basketball team. They never really planned for the other team. They brought in their strategy and said, yep. we're going to play basketball the way we want to play basketball. Yeah. I never really thought of approaching sales and the, com- the competitive side like that. Um, okay, so this next question is kind of tactical. If, if someone's like kind of new to 
like this, a lot of the topics that we're talking about today, what, what would you suggest over the next 90 days? What's like one or two first steps that they could take when it comes to like finding these things to like AB test and like work on internally to stay motivated, um, being more inwardly competitive. Is there any like tactical things you recommend someone does like one or two things that's maybe kind of getting started with this stuff? Yeah, I would say outline it. So it's kind of, it goes to my thought process around um, strategic thinking, right? I, you know, I used to tell my team, what is it? Thrive Networks. Oh, I, I want you to be, uh, you know, strategic thinkers. And they'd be like, you know, you got to get, you guys got to think more strategically. And they'd be like, John, we're, we're like, how do you think strategically? And I'm like, let me demystify this whole thing for you. Okay. Strategic thinking is no, no more than built in like creating a process and understanding the components of that process and then finding the weakest link in that process. And then figuring, pulling that link down, coming up with a couple of different things to address that, plugging it in and seeing how it works. And if you got better at that piece, cool. Now go find the next weakest link and, and come up with a couple of different approaches for that and split test that and plug that back in and then keep moving. So, you know, a, a good thing to do would be like, okay, well, what's your role right now? What are all the things that you need to be successful in that role, right? Motivation, uh, time management, uh, cold calling skills, messaging, confidence on the phone, whatever all those things are. And just kind of take a look at it and say, all right, where am I great at? Where am I falling down? Let me pick something that is, tangible that I can work on this week, come up with a couple of different ways of addressing whatever that thing is. And then the next 50 times I do it, I'm going to do it this way. The next 50 times I'm going to do it that way. And at the end of the week, I'm going to look at it and say, which one worked better next week? What do you do? Here's, here's something for all you managers out there. This is what I used to do with my team at thrive. I would every Monday morning, we'd wake up, we'd have our team meeting and our forecast calls and all that stuff. And at the end I would say, all right, what do we want to work on this week? Everybody be like, what, what challenges are we dealing with right now? And, uh, you know, getting through gatekeepers, John, uh, dealing with the pricing objection, COVID, you know, whatever it was. I said, all right, cool. Well, who wants to own this one? One of my reps. And when I say own, I didn't mean like do a book report on this. I meant literally just open, like, so say it was, uh, you know, dealing with the pricing objection. All the rep had to do was lift up their laptop and Google best way of handling pricing objection. Look yeah. at all the bunch of different approaches, right? Grab one of them that we thought was valid, role play it out a little bit. And then everybody would keep a, a notebook by their desk and they would write down challenge equals pricing objection approach equals feel felt found reprioritize whatever the approach yeah. was. And then we write it out. Right. And then a T bar plus minus. And then I would say to him, no matter what happens this week, what do whatever you want to do. But when that thing happens, when that objection comes up, you have to use that approach. And then I want you to write down, did it work? Did it not work? Right. Plus minus plus minus. And then what I would do is at the end of the week, I would just grab all the, I would, add up all the numbers. And I would say to him on Monday, all right, everybody, we hit that objection a hundred times last week. We got 40 positives and 60 negatives. That's actually not that bad for that objection. Cool. Let's put that one on the list. Next week, what do you want to work on? And rinse, repeat, and just keep working on that micro testing certain things and trying to figure it out. Because now when you look at that, again, if your results aren't there, but you looked at and you learned something, again, you had a good day. Do you find, I guess just to kind of button this up a little bit, do you find that most people in sales, they just do the job and they're never working on yeah. actually improving anything. Yeah. Death of, <laughs> I, I start every single presentation off with death of the average sales rep because yeah. the average sales rep goes through the motions. The average sales rep makes their 50 dials, says their script. The average sales rep presses play on some stupid piece of shit cadence that they were given to. <laughs> the average sales rep drones through a PowerPoint yeah. presentation like they were badged for in fucking boot camp, and, and, and they don't really think about it. 
and they don't put any context. They don't learn. They don't under, they don't question why or, or try different things out. And those, by the way, those average sales reps are the ones that are, look, everybody knows in bad times that they, they don't start hacking off the top reps. They start at the bottom and they move their way up. All right. So if you've been going through the motions right now, I'm betting you're looking for a job. And there's, that's going to be a hard one to come by if you've just been going through the motions. But if you've been getting better every single day, you've been focusing on trying different things out, you got a chance and, and you can make a great lifestyle and do make a real big difference for, for the people that you work with. I love it, man. This challenge approach and then like looking at testing of results, I, I think it, people are kind of looking for a tricky answer. It's, it, dude, use a notepad. Like you, you don't have to have any Excel sheet or fancy thing with formulas mm-hmm. or anything. Just try something. Mm-hmm. Um, love it, dude. This is awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on. We got a couple yeah, of minutes here. I want to make sure you got some time to talk, but there's some exciting stuff that you guys are working at. And we yeah. forgot to mention this at the top. We mentioned in I the know, promotion. I totally forgot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, uh, for those of you who've been engaged on the chat, first of all, thank you very much for all your comments and stuff like that. Uh, what we're going to do is we, we actually just launched our new on-demand platform that has all our stuff in it. It's my filling the funnel program, driving to close, plus every webinar, podcast, everything that we've done. Uh, and it's all for $420 a year. Uh, just cause I like the number and whatever weeds legal here in Massachusetts. So, uh, but any individual can buy it. And I think we're given a discount for t- five people. So we're going to look through the chat here and for five people, uh, we're going to give a free five, uh, licenses away for that platform. Uh, so make sure that you chime in here, uh, if you haven't already, and then I'll just go to, you know, jbarrows.com to see what we're working on myself, Morgan, James, we're trying to put out as much content as we can right now to help people through this mess that we're all in and try to keep people motivated. Um, yeah. And just, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. Actually, the easiest way to get in touch with me is Instagram. So my, my handle is John M as in Michael Barrows. So at John M Barrows, that is, I'm giving away tons of free consulting and coaching on that. So if you have a quick question about something and you want to hit me up on Instagram, I'll get back to you immediately on that. Um, and yeah, and just, I don't know, keep, let's keep trying to elevate the profession, man. I appreciate what you're doing here, Jason. No, absolutely. I just dropped the Instagram profile. Let's blow up John's Instagram, you guys. I don't have an Instagram, John. Otherwise, I'd, uh, I'd follow you, dude. <laughs> but uh, hey, I dropped that in. Uh, they're going to be sending out an email um, to you guys afterwards with those five free licenses. And one, just the favor that I have for everyone is if you like this talk, like we're putting up the replay later tonight, share it with one friend, like one yeah. other person at your company, your boss, whoever you think it would be valuable for, share it with one person. We got Todd Capone coming on tomorrow and Dale oh, Dupree nice. on Thursday. Nice. So we got some more heavy hitters, but uh, John, it's been great jamming with you, man. I appreciate you spending the time and, and this was super awesome. And everyone else, have a good rest of your day. This is awesome. I love the participation. You guys, we'll talk to you soon. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Make it happen. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. That was a fun one. I really love the 12 pillars of success. And the one that I really like, that's such a, you know, kind of a simple concept, but to really come back to the fact that, hey, it's all about getting 1% better every day. Don't expect yourself to get better overnight. I mean, prospecting especially is a lot like exercising or trying to eat healthy to lose weight. If you try to do it too quickly, it's not very sustainable in most cases. And it's usually not very safe, you know, when it comes to to health. But it's really more about the habits that you're instilling on a daily basis and the things that you're going to do now that are going to pay off, you know, three to six, nine, 12 months from now. It's putting in that daily, you know, that daily grind, right? And I think a lot of it has to, you know, really relates with like eating healthy and exercising. It's like you're doing things right now that aren't going to pay off necessarily right now. So I really enjoy this one. If you enjoyed it, I have a favor to ask of you. I would love if you left an honest short review on iTunes of what you thought about the podcast. And you can do that either on your podcast app. If you're listening to it on an iPhone, 
you go to the podcast page where you subscribe to this, scroll down to the very bottom, click ratings and review, leave a short, honest review, or you can go to blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes and you can access it from there. Um, hopefully you're able to figure that out. It's kind of confusing. They don't make it super easy, unfortunately, but I would love to hear from you with a short, honest review so we can get more guests on exactly like John. So appreciate you tuning in and we'll talk to you later.